listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the final part of the show, we get a view from Japan from William Pesek, Tokyo-based author and journalist. Good morning, William. Good morning. The Japanese market seems to have plateaued recently. Um, do you think the rally's now run its course? Well, I think in some ways it, it might have. I mean, in, in many ways, a lot of the run-up you've seen, I think, in some ways reflects the fact that many investors view Japan as a bit of a safe haven at the moment. Um, for all of its challenges, it's a place that uh, in some ways has been a bit removed from the chaos of global markets of the, the last year or so. And also there have been efforts the last eight years or so to tighten corporate governance, which are gaining some traction. Warren Buffett has showed up, you know, shown up. So basically, Japan's been in the headlines for a lot of the right reasons. But the problem is that the investors are looking at the economy. They're looking at the fact that the government has not really followed suit with big economic reforms to validate the, the rally you've seen in the Nikkei. And I think investors are taking a deep breath and looking around and saying, let's see what happens in Tokyo. Um, there's a lot of questions about the extent to which the government is taking seriously the idea of economic reforms. And, of course, the yen is very weak at the moment, which means Japan is importing a lot of uh, higher inflation from overseas. And so I think uh, investors are taking a bit of a breather right now to see where things are at. Well, you talk about economic reforms, but it seems now two years on, uh, PM Kishida is finally putting together an economic package. So what will that entail and what's in that package? Well, exactly. I mean, you know, better, better late than never. Um, it's interesting that uh, the prime minister has waited for his approval ratings to fall below 30 percent to realize that the economy is a problem. That said, we are seeing talk of tax cuts um, for the middle class, which is a step in the right direction. And inflation has been rising. The middle class has been squeezed. Uh, the middle class has not gotten a serious raise in 20 and, by, by some measures, 30 years. And so that's a step in the right direction. Um, the question is implementation. Um, how quickly will this happen? And the other question, too, is how to pay for it, right? Because Prime Minister Kishida has made very big pledges to increase Japan's military spending, has made big pledges to pay for child care subsidies. Japan already has the largest debt burden among developed nations. And so you know, the question is implementation, when, how quickly, how big, and how to pay for it. Well, you preempted my question because I was going to ask how are they going to pay for it with an aging population and a massive <laughs> debt. Um, so how are they going to pay for this? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, my guess is you will see efforts by the government to sell perhaps special debt, um, which will be focused on these stimulus programs. But I think a lot of it will fall to the Bank of Japan. I think the Bank of Japan will be in a position where it will have to monetize a lot more of this debt. And, you know, the bottom line is that anyone expecting the BOJ to taper anytime soon or to be raising interest rates in the next six months is probably going to have to change that uh, that trading position, because the BOJ arguably will be, have to be moving in the other direction. They might not be easing further, but they certainly will be in a position where they'll have to absorb a lot more government supply. And so I think that's where, uh, that's where we're at. I think one of the big problems in Japan has been this aging population. Um, so is there anything yeah. in there to either encourage more births, or is there anything to encourage um, imported labor, or you know, just some sort of em immigrants to come in in order to lower that? Uh, population situation? Well, 
The answer is anything big in that direction, not so much. I mean, basically, you can argue that the government taking steps to make child care more affordable is certainly a help. But, you know, throwing families, you know, $40 U.S., $50 U.S. here or there doesn't really take care of the problem. One of the problems is that structurally, um, child care is very, very expensive in Japan. I think the government should just take a step towards offering free child care um, to Japanese families. And the other problem, too, is that because the population here is aging so fast, uh, so rapidly relative to the birth rate, it's, it's an inherently deflationary environment, right? I mean, older people don't spend money the way that younger people do. And so Japan has to figure out how exactly to, I, I guess, adjust to the changing demographics and the debt, as we mentioned a second ago, is a, is a bit of a ticking time bomb, right? So, again, I just think that the idea that the BOJ will be tapering anytime soon or stepping away from quantitative easing is a bit of a reach given the, the fiscal and demographic, demographic challenges. And then you look at the currency and you've got the yen. Um, it seems to have a lot of resistance at about 150, so that seems to be where support keeps coming in for the yen. Um, what happens if the yen does break through that 150 level? Um, does that stimulate certain moves, or, or what happens then? Well, you certainly see some intervention uh, by the Japanese government, but you know, as we've seen from intervention efforts in the past, intervention doesn't really work if it's one country doing it. You have to have the Federal Reserve on board. You have to have the ECB on board for it to really matter. I think the problem for Japan at the moment, the yen is really about what's happening in Washington, more than what's happening in Tokyo. Once Japan has a better sense of what Jerome Powell is going to do with rates in the U.S., then Japan can make some decisions about where the yen is. So in many ways, I think just Japan is, is stuck between what the Fed might be doing and what, what it might not be doing um, and wh where markets are. And so that's really the, the big question for the BOJ. But, you know, 150 is definitely a line in the sand. I mean, I'm, I'm actually planning to go to the U.S. for Christmas, and I'm already, you know, bracing myself for <laughs> the fact that uh, I'm, I'm going to be traveling with the Japanese peso. You say, you say it's largely to do with the U.S. rather than the BOJ, but the BOJ has been quite steadfast in keeping rates you know, at minimal levels, even though inflation is currently running at, say, 3%. They've got room to raise interest rates, which could potentially help the yen a little bit there, couldn't it? Well, they could, but you remember back in December of, of 2022, um, the BOJ announced that they were going to allow 10-year yields to rise to about 0.5%. And global markets went haywire. And the reason is because, you know, 23 years of quantitative easing has turned Japan into the, the world's most important uh, debt and basic creditor nation. Yeah. And anytime the yen moves in any, any certain direction, it pulls the rug out from under global markets. And so there's a risk in doing that. So I think the BOJ is kind of stuck. I think, the, yeah, I mean, the world's got to uh, kind of figure out how to work with uh, not always living in debt. Um, okay, so, so we've, got about, yeah, we've got about a minute left, and uh, what should our listeners be looking ahead to for the next week, months, days um, in Japan? Well, I think it, a lot of it is going to uh, you know, come down to implementation um, on the government level. I mean, Prime Minister Kishida, his approval ratings are at a level where most Japanese prime ministers do not survive. Um, usually people begin to look around and say, who's next? I mean, at the moment, Prime Minister Kishida's approval ratings are about 29%, which makes Joe Biden seem relatively popular in my country. 
And so it's just not where you want to be. And I think when we talk about the need for financial reforms in Japan, it's great that we're finally getting around to them. But with approval ratings under 30%, you know, how much political capital does Prime Minister Kishida have to push through these changes in an expeditious and credible way? And that's what I'll be keeping an eye on. Okay, interesting. Because I mean, 29% for a global leader is not too bad when you take it from a global perspective. <laughs> but I guess in Japan it Relatively is. Relatively speaking. Yes. Relatively speaking. But then, you know, but China's slowing as well, right? So I think True. in many ways that complicates things for Kushida. When the biggest economy in your region is slowing so rapidly, good luck with that. True. Well, that's unfortunately all the time we have for uh, for today. Um, so I'd like to thank you for coming in. That was William Pesek, Tokyo-based author and journalist. Thanks.